Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, good morning, everyone. And um, just to say, we're aware that the sound is still not uh, great at the moment, and because of that, we're unable uh, to include the planned worship song, um, but we'll hopefully be able to do that next week as we continue to try and uh, upskill ourselves in all of these different departments. But we, we trust this has still been an encouraging morning for you. And, and I am excited um, and feel privileged to share with you um, the beginning of our series of promise, building up to Pentecost, um, and to remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, um, I was remembering one of, the, one of my favorite experiences I had was a, an overnight hike I did on Table Mountain. Um, I used to really enjoy hiking the different routes, and one of the best ones I got to do was an overnight hike where we started at the base, as you would, and, uh, and we went right through the night, got up to the top, um, just as it was getting dark, camped in a, in a log cabin there, and we made our way down the next morning. Um, but in order to do that, it was one, wasn't one of the ones that was open to the public. In order to do that, um, it was required that you had a guide. It was, it was required that you had someone who'd done one of the courses, was trained as a as a, a mountain guide, and, and he would lead us on, and he would prompt us and give us the right trails to take, and, and definitely had to give us a few directions and warnings to make sure we didn't uh, fall off the side, and we were very grateful to have him there. He had a lot of information, and, and in some ways, it just reminds me that God has given us a guide for the Christian life. He has given us someone to walk alongside us, and um, he does far more than that, but God has given us the Holy Spirit so that as we begin our journey as Christians, we are not alone. We, we, are, we are rescued by God's grace, but we are also given by God's grace, the Holy Spirit, who guides us and prompts us and leads us and directs us. And so it's wonderful, again, to remember the outpouring of the Spirit, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe as Christians in a God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we We've spent some time over Easter remembering and celebrating the work of the Son who has saved us on the cross, who was resurrected, coming into this world, being God, and yet lived this perfect life, died this perfect death for our salvation so that all who trust him are reborn into new life. But now we also want to build up to Pentecost. We remember that with this new life comes the life-giving spirit who leads us in it. And, uh, and who is promised to us. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, there were promises of the coming King, the Savior, and there were also promises of the Holy Spirit who would lead us. And so I am trusting that as we look at some of these promises over the next six weeks, that your heart will be filled with gratitude for the Holy Spirit, with affection toward the Holy Spirit, and with a desire to be ever more filled with the Spirit. And so today we will be beginning our journey in the book of Isaiah in chapters 32 and in chapters 44. And so we'll be diving into that together. I'll explain some things as we go and draw out three key blessings of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so won't you read with me Isaiah chapter 32 is our first stop um, starting in verse 14. And just to give you some context, Isaiah is a prophet through whom God was speaking to his people in that day. Um, God's people at this time were living in rebellion to God. They were faithless and stubborn. 
And Isaiah is being used as this mouthpiece by God to warn them of their sin and to declare the judgment of God on them. But throughout the whole book, there are these littered promises of deliverance and restoration of a new society that follows God and loves God. And this would come because of divine transformation, divine intervention. And so he's promised them a new king who would rule over them, but always paired in these verses at least, paired with this promise of a new king is the promise of the spirit. And he calls them to repentance from their rebellion and complacency. And he gives them this promise. So let's read, keeping that in mind, chapter 32 of Isaiah, verse 14. For the palace is forsaken. The populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. He goes on in verse 16, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of this righteousness will be peace and the result of this righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwelling and in quiet resting places. This is the promise that God gives to this, that this people who are in sin and are receiving declarations of their judgment. They are receiving judgment, and yet there's this, this call for them to repent, to drop the complacency, to let go of their sin, to turn to God, and they will be given a new king and a new spirit. And we know that this promise ultimately is only fully met when Jesus comes as the new king and when the outpouring of the spirit comes. And yet there is this call to us every day to repent, turn to the king and receive the spirit. You see, the righteousness that comes when the Spirit is poured out is not just a righteousness of being morally good. It's not a righteousness of being morally upright. It is a state of being in right relationship with God. It is a state of being able to stand before God knowing there is now reconciliation and relationship. There is now mutual affection and trust. The effect of such a, a state, the effect of this kind of righteousness, of being in this relationship with God, the effect of that in our lives is peace. And the result of that is a sense of quietness, security, trust. You see, the end result for God's people as the Spirit is poured into their lives is peace, security, and rest, and this is one of the first blessings. God gives the Spirit to us to bring us into peace and rest and security. See, in the passages before the one we've just read, there is, there is some mention of a false peace, of a false rest, of a false sense of security. And there is a contrast here to say that security, that rest, that peace that you think you have, it doesn't hold true and it will not last. It is false. It is built on something false. And God promises his people a real peace, a true peace, a real rest and a real security. Often we can substitute the real thing for something false and something fake that will not last. Um, I, I remember how it was often a trend um, as a student to buy the knockoff clothing 
um, there would be these markets in uh, South Africa that you could go to. And instead of buying the Adidas brand for a sixth of the price, you could buy the Adidas except the I was an E. Or there would be a little like punctuation mark somewhere. And you could get the cheap knockoff. And you didn't have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to get the actual brand. You could just pay for the same thing that was made much cheaply. And that was mostly because things were overpriced and still are overpriced. And there's not really a massive quality difference, if we're honest. We just like the brands. But God's rest, peace, and security is something that is worth it. It is not overpriced. In fact, the price for that peace was paid for for us. We just need to receive it. We don't need to settle for a knockoff of peace or rest or security. It just requires us to enter in by faith to ask and receive. You see, false peace is trusting in ourself. It is putting confidence in our own ability to keep things under control, to keep things in line, to make sure that we have all our ducks in a row. But we know that that peace doesn't last. It just takes one phone call. It just takes one moment for that peace to crack and we lose control. You see, that, the peace that God promises is not built on some sort of reason or resting on some sort of plan or structure. It's a peace that comes from a deep sense of knowing God, knowing God personally, knowing God is in control, and knowing that our position before God has been purchased so we can stand before him as father and child. And we can experience all that comes with that right relationship, the effect of this righteousness, this right standing before God is a peace that lasts, a peace that Paul says will surpass all understanding. It's beyond comprehension. You see, peace in the Old Testament, peace in the Bible is actually not just about um, not, no violence. It's not about removing conflict only. It goes beyond that. It's about the sense of wellness and whole being. I, I'd like you to picture a wall that had some bricks missing from it. Okay, that's the sense of not being at peace in the Bible, where there are gaps, where there is something missing, where something is not sound. It's not whole. And yet God promises us that by the Spirit, as we are in right relationship with him, that he makes us whole again. He brings well-being into our life. There is a security a stability that comes from knowing and trusting God. And it's connected to this, having confidence in him, in his character. Because if false peace is confidence in ourselves and in our own capacity to do things right, then real peace is confidence in something bigger, greater, lasting. It's confidence in God. And so I want to offer to you just, just a little little thing, a little three words, all starting with R. Repent, rely, and rest. Repent, rely, and rest. Repent of those times where you've put your peace and your security into things that are not God. Respond to him by repenting, turning. Rely on him. For all your needs, reliance and faith and trust is what unlocks this peace. And as you rely on him, find rest. Rest for your tired and weary soul. We can't keep it all under control. We can't keep everything under wraps. But we can trust a God 
who brings us into rest and peace and security. The next passage that we're going to look at this morning is the passage in Isaiah chapter 44. Again, this passage comes in the context of a people who are, who are in sin, who are rebelling against God. And it's so amazing as you read the verses building up to the passage we're going to read. Because in the same breath, God goes from someone who is burdened by their sin to someone who is going to blot it out. He is burdened by the sin that they're, that they're committing, and yet he promises to be the one who will blot it out. He says, I, I am the Lord. I will blot out your sin. And he goes on to remind them, though, of the sin of their fathers as a way of reminding them that they don't deserve that. They don't deserve God's action of removing and dealing with their sin. And yet comes this promise of forgiveness and pardon. And with the promise in these verses, the promise again of the Spirit. So let's read together Isaiah 44, verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you, who formed you from the womb, and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by a flowing stream. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. In this passage, God is reminding them that despite their failings, they are still his people. And he has not completely abandoned them. He calls them. The big command here is to fear not because he will provide. They need not fear because God will pour out his spirit. And they will spring up in faith to new life. And, and out of this passage, I want to bring out two more blessings of having the Holy Spirit. You see, God gives the spirit to spiritually quench and refresh us to spiritually quench and refresh our souls. The passage paints a picture of God's people as dry and thirsty and barren. And without the spirit, we are spiritually parched. Before I moved over to the UK, Cape Town was in such a drought. There were these massive restrictions on using water. And you would drive around the town, you drive around the city, and you just see these gardens that were gone brown and dry and cracked. In fact, you could tell who wasn't following the restrictions because there'd be these random gardens that did have some green on them. And you go, well, you guys clearly aren't following the rules. But there was all of this dryness and it just, it just actually would impact your mood because you go, where's the green? Gardens had dried out. Our football pitch turned into a sand pit. It was quite disconcerting to try and play football on a sand pit. There was no more life. There was no new growth. And without the spirit in our lives, our souls can be like that. I don't know if you know how painful it is to have dry lips that start to crack like the hard ground. It's so painful. Or after a tough run when you've been running and you haven't drunk anything and you're thirsting for refreshment, these are the pictures of what it's like to not have God's refreshment of our souls, to not have the spiritual quenching of the spirit. 
There is something in us that is thirsting for God. Jesus speaks about being, being the bread of life and giving us living waters because we are spiritually hungry and thirsty for something real. And the problem with a spiritual thirst is until you realize what it is and how God's meant to fill it, you will try to fill it with so many other things, but you cannot fix a spiritual thirst with a physical solution. You cannot fix a spiritual thirst with a physical solution. Only the Spirit can solve this. Only the Spirit. Jesus speaks about how he has promised the Spirit. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Speaking to the woman at the well. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He says a few chapters later that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive. When we believe and trust and rely on Jesus, the promise of the spirit comes into our lives. And brings life to our dry and thirsty souls. We may have convinced ourselves of how to live with that thirst. We may have thought we don't have it. But it's there. And it will show itself. But if we turn to God, he can quench our deepest thirsts of belonging and purpose. Faith will unlock this blessing. Our souls can be watered and refreshed. And like the passage says, turn back into a, a garden of flourishment and life. This promise of life and peace and contentment is available to all of us today. Jesus Christ satisfies our souls and fills us with his spirit. He will satisfy us when we turn to him. He will fill our hearts afresh. Again, rely and receive. That is the pattern for receiving the Spirit, for knowing the blessing that comes with the Spirit of God. And the final blessing I want to I encourage us with today is that God gives us the Spirit to make us bold in our belonging. He makes us bold in our belonging. You'll see that at the end of the passage, there are different responses that are predicted when the Spirit is poured out. And the one response is that someone just shouts and says, I am the Lord's. I am his. He, he then, one of the other responses is to call on the name of Judah. In other words, he is proudly associating himself with the people of God. And another person writes on his hand, the Lord's. It's like stamping a label on himself saying who he belongs to. There are two ways that we become bold in our belonging when we are filled with the Spirit. We become bold in the fact that we belong to God. We are His. And we become bold in the fact that we belong to His church. The Spirit inspires in us such a powerful sense of courage and belonging that for us it is, it is a privilege to say, I am God's. I am His. It gives us such a powerful sense of Christian identity. We deeply feel our allegiance and our belonging to Jesus. We deeply feel our belonging to his body, the church. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed. And we might wrestle with this. 
The Spirit does not remove the wrestle. It just gives us strength to win. There is a holy pride that comes upon us when we are filled with the Spirit to say, I belong to Jesus. I am a possession of God. I am in his hand. I bear his name. He owns me. My whole life is his. He's purchased me, and I am his. I am the Lord's, shouted from the rooftops, worn on our heart and on our sleeve. The Spirit of God is the marker in us that signals to ourselves and to those around us that we are God's. In Romans 8, it says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And here's this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's that peace and that security again because the Spirit gives us a sense of belonging to God and to his people. There is a confidence that comes to us of knowing our God and knowing that we are his children, that he has adopted us and therefore we don't need to fear because we are his. We are not slaves to fear. We are in fact children of God. And these are the three blessings that I really wanted to encourage us with as we turn our eyes toward the Pentecost, when God poured out his spirit and with his spirit came all of these blessings and gifts and fruit and everything that comes with the life of God. God's spirit brings into us a powerful sense of peace and rest and security that goes far beyond our circumstance. God's spirit quenches our thirsty souls. And God's spirit makes us bold in belonging to him, belonging to the church, bold in our identity as children of God. All of this is promised with the coming Savior and the Spirit that would be poured out. And so as we remember and reflect on that, on these promises, let us remember that these promises have now been fulfilled, that we are building up to Pentecost to remember something that has happened. We have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of peace, the Spirit not of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. We have received the life of God in us. And so we need not walk in fear. We need not walk dry and thirsty. And we need not walk without that sense of boldness. What we need is to turn to God in trust and receive the life that comes from the Spirit. Let me pray for us and we'll end our service today. Father, we thank you for your plan that was purposed and promised to us and that you are a God who keeps his promises, that you did send a savior king who, who rescued us from our sin as we remembered at Easter and as we build up to Pentecost, God, may we remember the reality of the spirit 
that brings peace and rest into our lives. It satisfies the deepest thirsts of our soul and gives us boldness for mission, boldness in identity, and boldness in love. May we know the reality of the Spirit in our own lives. May we repent where we have put our trust in something other than you. May we turn again and rely on you afresh each day. And may we rest in the power and life of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been wonderful to be with you this morning. Um, now going just past lunch, we recognize again that there have been some challenges with the sound, and we apologize for that. Um, but we hope to see you next week with hopefully less hiccups. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing, that would be great so we can stay in touch with you. If you wish to support us, there will be ways to do that on our YouTube page, on our website, and in other means. But we, we apologize again, and we look forward to being with you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.